Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town USA. No, okay. I've been doing some traveling. And uh, I've gone to a couple communities, and I'm heading to another one next week. So I'm wanting to share with you guys um, some of the, the things I've been traveling about. I, I went two weeks ago to Garrett County uh, in Maryland, in the western part of Maryland, and up in the Appalachian Mountains. And I went there. I was invited by that county to come and talk to them about revitalizing their uh, urban districts, getting millennial generation involved in, in the revitalization of their urban districts. And, and then last week I went to San Francisco where I went to CrowdConf. Uh, I think it was number four. It's a conference about crowdsourcing. And then uh, Monday, this coming Monday, next week, I'm going to another community in Maryland to talk to them about the revitalization of their urban districts um, and getting the millennial generation and talent involved in their urban districts. So I was just wanting to kind of share with you guys uh, my adventures. And let me start with um, the San Francisco conference. You know, basically it was a conference on crowdsourcing. So, I mean, have you ever heard, uh, Chris, have you ever heard of crowd, uh, micro, t no, crowd tasking? Crowd tasking? Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that phrase before, but I assume that's like the idea where you divvy up, like, what was that research they were doing for, I don't remember exactly what it was, some kind of cellular research or whatever, and they were, they made it a game or whatever? Well, they did that for the human genome. Human genome, that's yeah, what Yeah, right, okay. exactly. So, you know, this idea of tasking a crowd is micro-tasking or crowd-tasking is it's actually become a commercial industry where mm -hmm. you have these companies that are approaching people like, you know, whether it's eBay or LinkedIn or whoever it might be, that have tons of work that needs to be done that's just data-driven work that would take, you know, a year to do if they tried to hire the staff to do it. But they, these companies put together crowds all over the world by capitalizing on the interests of those crowds, and they put the tasks before them. Either they gamify them, like you were describing, so yeah. it's either a game you play, or the people can do the task and then get credit. So let's say they're on a gambling site. They can do the task and get credits towards uh, being able to gamble on that site. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, the, um, I don't, and I don't know if, if we talked about this on a previous podcast, and I know like they were unsuccessful, but whenever the... Uh, they had that bombing in Boston and that race. Like, as soon as it was done, I guess I guess it was Reddit, I think. There was instantly all these people posting pictures from the race or whatever. And even though they didn't find anyone, within, like, a couple hours, they had Reddit-generated sus suspects or whatever. They didn't necessarily go anywhere, but it easily could have, you right, know? I yeah. mean, like, you had – because you just had all these people, like, committed to this task, which is, like, I mean, no matter how skilled the police – might be in Boston or whoever was investigating it. I mean, it's still not going to be as useful as like tons and tons of people. Maybe those people don't have access to as much as the police do, but right. you know, it's an interesting way. Well, that's just... like the Amber Alert, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, you get everybody involved in, in doing this. So, so these guys have been able to actually make a profitable commercial market space out of doing this type of work because they basically, um, you know, uh, people do it for money or for some type of reward, but what they're ultimately doing is they're achieving this for the client and, the, mm -hmm. and a, a big client that has a bunch of data-driven work that they need done can get a year's worth of work done in three months you know for cheaper 
because you, you get you know thousands of people doing work as a as an organization you could never have the infrastructure to go out and hire yeah. thousands of people to do this one project you know let's say that they hired that uh, an eBay or somebody hired a company to do this work well that company what's the company gonna do hire a thousand employees and then fire them all after they finish right, the project right, right. you know it's just impractical in traditional infrastructure right. to be able to do this kind of work True, though I will point out here that Walt Disney did that in the 30s with Snow White. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah he just went, he went to art. Okay, so <laughs> he went. He knew right away when he was going to make a feature animated film that he couldn't do it with the in-house with the, the guys that were usually making short films. So he just went and sent people to art schools all over the country, and they, they were supposed to come back with, like, he told them to come back with, like, 2,000 artists or something, and they came back with, like, 750 or something right, and went yeah. back out for So he really just went and grabbed thousands of people. Of course, that was in the late 30s. Well, he was a genius, first of all. <laughs> yeah. but um, And had he had a computer, I bet he would have done other things. But I tell you what, man, that is an example in the 30s, and then the WPA, the mm -hmm. whole... Uh, you know, uh, women's basketball. Assistant. <laughs> 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 no, um, you know the uh, the New Deal, Roosevelt's uh, New Deal, yeah. was uh, similar in nature to kind of crowdsourcing in the sense where they had communities. And actually, this was part of the conference. They did a historical uh, retro thing on this, but they they would the communities would put forward projects that they needed done. So people would say, "Oh yeah, there's potholes out in my road out near my house." And they would be able to submit it to the WPA office, and then the WPA would let them kind of fix it and pay them for fixing it. Oh, so, wow, interesting. So they were able to do public infrastructure improvements all over the country and get people employed just by capitalizing on a way to mobilize the masses. Where when was this? This was the New Deal. This wow, is, yeah. interesting. That sounds so close. That's interesting. Oh, it's amazing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the keynote of this conference was about the New Deal, and it was uh, attempting to attach that to... It's just a way of thinking, and we've done this right. before in our nation. But now with technology, you know, you're able to kind of tweet that there's a pothole, and you know, yeah, yeah. instead of the, it took a lot of mobilization of people and whatnot before you had uh, the internet. And it was harder to mobilize that many people around an idea and all that kind of stuff. But so so anyway, you know, crowdsourcing. The conference was about crowdsourcing of all types, but this, uh, a lot of it was about this idea of what has become a capitalist marketplace of microtasking and. You know, it's attached to this notion of, of developing small towns because it goes back to our idea that anytime you can do work from where you are versus having to move to where the work is, it allows for the development of the place that you're in. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you can stay here and get on the Internet and do jobs, that you might be working for a client in China and working with people in India, yet you are here in Rock Hill right. and you're getting paid for doing the work that you're doing. Right. It allows you to stay wherever you want to stay. Right, yeah. right, yeah. It definitely continually, which like I said, it comes up pretty much every podcast, it continually that shift away from, you know, if you, if your interest is the upkeep of your town and or improving, fixing, or maintaining um, the economy in your town, it's, it's, the focus moves more and more and more into creating a good, interesting place to live, um, not just a place that has a lot of jobs. Yeah. Because jobs, once again, just are, jobs exist so more and more and more jobs just exist on this little you know device in front of you right yeah exactly I mean it's about work not jobs it's really about quality of life and obviously being able to make money is part of a meaningful quality of life I mean unless you're just wealthy then you have to find a way to make money but um, also if you're extremely <coughs> wealthy you can become a vigilante uh, and put on a bat costume you, you can 
You can. Just you know, I heard. I, I was always taught always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman, you should definitely be Batman. Oh wow, yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah, it is. Um, uh oh, there here comes the choppers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh wait a minute, <laughs> that, that's Batman. Sorry. Oh wait, no, that was actually Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and other parts of the conference were about some other things. Um, one one whole section of the conference was about. Uh, different types of research around crowdsourcing so this one guy from England talked see I thought I was the furthest person the person who traveled the farthest from South Carolina to San Francisco well this guy was from England so he had me beat man so they didn't give you the they the didn't award, at the end of the night the they didn't prize. give you that award yeah. <laughs> that's so sad I know actually there were some guys from Japan there too so <laughs> you know this one guy that I was listening to was talking about the negative effects of this type of work the, the very work I was just talking about mm-hmm. And it was talking about the self-identity of, you know, in this country and really in a lot of countries, Western countries mostly, I don't know, but when people say, you know, they introduce, oh, my name is so-and-so, and mm-hmm. so-and-so, so what do you do? It's like the first name. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. how you have self-identity, you know, and how people identify you. Yeah. And so you answer it with some type of what, what you do to make money. It's like your profession. And it's almost there's this embarrassing thing that if you answer it in a way, it's not the way you make money. Like if, I, if somebody asks me what I do and I say, well, I walk my dog. Yeah. Well, that's stupid answer yeah. to that question. I mean, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did that for years. I would, uh, I'd see some, you know, especially I would, I would run into somebody from high school or something. Back when I was just, I was just working in retail, and and I, the thing is, I was actively making music. I was making movies and all that stuff. Someone would ask me what I do, and I would always be like, Well, I work at Office Depot. And then they're like, wow, you're not doing anything. Right. Yeah. And but then, you didn't say I'm a musician and a writer yeah, and yeah, a yeah. movie maker. Yeah. Yeah, and I also so I just had a, I hate that question. Yeah. So I'll probably always hate that question no matter yeah. what. Well, so it talked about people that are working these jobs, these microtasking kind of jobs, where they're having different bosses all the time. They're working for different companies. They're sometimes doing tasks that they don't know the bigger picture of what the task is about. Like they're just game of, doing the gamified tasks. Mm-hmm. They don't understand how it fits into doing something more meaningful for society or anything. And that there's this real like uh, depression kind of thing or lack of self-identity associated with it where people don't know how to answer those traditional questions. Like, yeah. What do you do? It's like, well, I kind of mess around on the computer and uh, do different tasks for money, you know. And and so he was talking about the, the negative stuff around that. But the paradigm shifting so radically that we're constantly finding examples of the situation where you can't apply the old question to the new answer. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. there's this... Uh, conflict so if if people say oh i do uh you know micro tasking or something people don't know what that even is <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, what does that even mean so they're saying that uh or he was saying that what's happening is that people are while that's happening right now people are wanting to move more towards a combination of the of the two where yes i'm away from traditional job and yeah I'm, i have a free form job kind of experience where i'm creating my own job choosing things i want to work on but I understand the meaning of those things. Yeah. You know, it's like being a freelancer, but actually understanding the value that you're contributing to a project. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing. It's in yet another thing that's kind of funny about about the the current age and whatnot is you know when you take it like at Revenflow, sometimes there's people who ask what we do at Revenflow, and the answer we give them sort of they look back at us like, oh. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, and I, it's not like we do anything that odd. There's do some you people say just, origami? I mean, is that yeah. <laughs> Come out and that's say what I say. That's, yeah, that's probably why they look at me like that. And plus, I mispronounce it. I don't even say it right. Um, but or you know, jammies. Or, or jammies. Um, we put on jammies, um, <laughs> which we do. 
Yeah. Um, but we always work in our jammies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that's that's it's part of the it's the times. But the thing is, it's like it's not as if it's the first time in human history where there's been it's something like the internet where there's this totally new thing where there's these new kind of positions and things that need to be done that didn't exist before. You know, and, but it's, it's the internet. It's not as if like, oh, well, what I'm doing is this cool, trendy thing that isn't going anywhere. It's not like investing in ostrich meat, you right. know? <laughs> it's like, which whoa, was a big whoa, hit. Whoa, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's big. Yeah, is it still big? Oh, yeah. I remember that was emerging in the 90s because wow, I had relatives really? that were getting into ostrich meat. I heard gold, actually. Gold? <laughs> I also had relatives that were looking for gold and blowing up <laughs> mountains and stuff and cluck, like, plucking like yeah, plucking their beards. Remember those days? And that trend went away. <laughs> you know, this um, this whole phenomenon of the changing workforce and workplace where, you know, there's a Forbes had some study they published where it was like something by 2020, I think it was, that you know, 40% of the workforce in the United States was going to be either self-employed or contracted or, you know, uh, freelance or something. Where this whole n- notion that, um, you know, you're not joining a traditional institution as your way to make money, that it's more kind of agile than that. And then how we identify ourselves with that. I mean, how do we handle preparing for retirement? How do we how do we handle when people ask us what we do, answering mm-hmm. that question? Just a lot of paradigm shift, you know. Um, another thing they talked about at this conference was this um, challenge-based, excuse me, prize-based challenges. Uh-huh. So like DARPA, which is part of the government that just creates innovative, crazy stuff. So DARPA is this, you know, government agency essentially that is uh, coming up with things for defense, you know, reasons, but they're all about just pushing the envelope and innovating. And they had these prize-based challenges. So they had one that was about um, creating an automobile that could drive without a person um, in it, right? The first challenge they did, uh, and this guy that was presenting at this conference was actually in the command center for these challenges. Well, the first one they did, they had all this hype around it and everything, and they started these all these automobiles in the desert. They had to go through this whole terrain, and they had to uh, buy themselves with no people in it. They had to navigate ravines and go around, you know, whatever through shallow water and whatever it had to do, and get to the other side and at a specific location. Mm-hmm. Well, none of them made it, and it was it considered this big flop and all this stuff. Well, so they had another one, and they had a couple cars make it, and the one, the car that won the prize was created by a team that I, I believe it was Stanford. It could have been. MIT, I don't know, I had to look it up, but I think it was Stanford. And apparently Google hired the entire team, and that's how they created uh, the Google car, which is leading the way right now in personless automobiles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. And, I mean, I guess, like, programs like that have existed for a really long time, but the thing about it is it's like, and we've talked about that before, that it's, that is so, like, that is what, the great power I think of the internet for people in human evolution is, is that sort of thing is that sort of like call to like because you know how great that system is it's so and like I said as long as it's been around like offering a prize incentive for whatever and it, but it's so it cuts directly to whoever is the best at this job yeah. gets the job yeah. and it's so funny how many parts of American struct, you know, st- structurally don't work that way no. you know it's yeah. so and, and, and that's what we've, we've talked about before with the internet there's so many reasons why it's going. It has to go back to that because you have all these things like, be it crowdsourcing or, or you know, crowdfunding or p- people we were talking about in movies. The creative people have direct access to the the buyers of the content. And it cuts yeah. out the 
all that sort of red tape and that ridiculous stuff that and it's just you know you get better products you get, everything works more Absolutely. efficiently it just de demands it much like a incentivized program like that yeah. and you, you know to, to function and move up and be successful in a bureaucracy yes good ideas help and yes being able to deliver helps and that's important but there's so many other factors in it you know there's um, just you know a lot of it is just thank being able much. to sell yourself and thank you um, being able to present yourself well uh, cap being able to uh, you know uh, be confident and have other people listen to you. Mm -hmm. There's all these factors that really don't have to do with the quality of the, the deliverable necessarily. They're just the way to navigate a bureaucratic system mm -hmm. and institutions rely on all that stuff. But with these challenges, you cut right to it like you're saying. Hey, what, whoever delivers it, it doesn't matter if you're awkward or can't communicate yourself or right, don't have right. a good True, resume. Good point, it does point. not matter. Yeah. You know, if you deliver, you deliver, period. You know, they, they had all these examples of uh, when uh, people did these challenges, uh, when uh, like uh, corporations would do these challenges, and it would be like people from the mailroom that would win it, or there would That's be awesome. people. Yeah, it's yeah. just like people that would never have been in a situation to be able right, to put yeah, forward yeah. these ideas, you know. And that's really a big part of what makes this thing successful. You know, I compare this back to a day remus. You know, one of the big issues with um, revitalize uh, with developing our towns is that so many people aren't in a position to be able to be heard and contribute meaningful ideas to the conversation because they didn't happen to make it to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, so the question is, the real control is deciding who's at the table, you know. So a day Remus is all about, let's just let anybody, let's, right. let's make it a drop-in yeah, right. <laughs> and are, let we, anybody walk up to the table. Human beings are at the table. Human beings exactly. are gathered around the, the, instead of the five, you know, like the, I, my, my concept of, um, corporate America has always been the, the villain from Inspector Gadget. You know, like, the, what is it, Dr. Claw cat. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, you know, and it's like, it's not about doc, what Dr. Claw thinks is the best exactly. strategy anymore, yeah. you know? It's about what humankind thinks we should yeah. do. Exactly. You know, in the, in, in the top of the, the pyramid, which is, I'm sure, very dangerous for some people, but but uh, I think it's, it's I think it's growing pains. I think it's a, it's, it's a transitional period, obviously. Yeah. But all these things, and, and I think that anyone who's going to be successful with that is a accepting that and what's good about it and b not just sort of like trying to like jump on bandwagons or whatever but like taking seeing what that means about how we communicate with each other and and, and the value of the individual and how it applies to whatever it is that they do yeah. you know because it may not be so easy as just to <clears throat> well i guess i should make a website you know <laughs> that, that calls people to ask what they would do it's more about like specifically figuring out how things apply to whatever it is you do. No, I hear you, and I think, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that, I mean, you know, you go back to Napoleon creating merit-based systems and breaking the class structure, and then you move into capitalist um, economies where pretty much, theoretically, anybody with drive and entrepreneurial idea and all that, and bootstraps and all that can, can kind of make their idea happen and contribute. And I, in general, I believe in that, but but you know what that lacks is like it takes the exceptional entrepreneur um, or somebody that has a lot of resources put behind them or something to be able to really come down and like do that contribution that doesn't fit in the bureaucratic structure right but with increasingly with things like a day remus and stuff people can just contribute a little bit you don't have to dedicate your life and risk everything and right. you can just participate and add value in the process. Right. You know, you know and an interesting thing about it that I've never really considered it this way before, but uh, so many great things about 
be it inventions or just uh, things that have advanced humans um, have been about, it hasn't always been about the person who had the idea um, making the eventuality of the idea. Right. More often than not, it wasn't the person who was first, who was the first one there. Um, and like this, Da Vinci and the parachute, for example. Exactly, right. <laughs> or <laughs> like Da Vinci and the boombox. No, he did um, come up with the parachute, oh, for did real, he? yeah. But not the boombox. Probably the boombox, too. Right, right. So you can quote me on that. Da Vinci invented the boombox. That's real. Okay, yeah. I hope Da Vinci doesn't sue us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's a million cases throughout history where, you know, and and and, and this com- it squishes all that into one thing. It's like, we need ideas, and those ideas need to meet up with people who can make those ideas become real. As opposed to, this guy has an idea, never does anything with it, maybe he goes to his grave with it, maybe he doesn't, someone else will come along, then someone else comes along and takes that idea. Um, it's a conversation. It's a participation thing. You know, you can pitch in wherever you want, whenever you want, however much you want to pitch in. You don't have to change your whole life to get involved. You know, if you got a good idea, just put it out there. Right, you know? right. And, it, and it's because, I mean, yeah, it's true that, like, it's like, you know, I, and sorry, I always take it back to movies, but one of the things that you hear a lot when you talk, when, when hearing about movies and production and stuff is that ideas aren't necessarily the thing because everyone has ideas. And it's about what you do with that idea. And that is very true. And I think traditionally that was almost more important than it is now. Maybe not with movies, but in applying it to what we're talking about. Now it's more more about let's let's have people that produce ideas. Let's have people that are better at gathering ideas, using them, you know, and, and sort of like it, that collaborative nature of, of people all working together yeah, as opposed to it being so important that you had you had to be George Lucas you had to have the idea for Star Wars right. and you had to have the resources and and you will. had to mess up the original movies by putting Jabba the Hutt in an early scene where he's digital and nothing else is yeah we don't have to worry about those things that you everyone has to do you don't have to exactly do all those things down to the letter anymore right. including the Jabba thing which traditionally it was expected <laughs> if you were an entrepreneur you had you to Jabba put a CG hut. Jabba into a, some yeah. kind of project. Of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that trip to San Francisco with this, this conference about crowdsourcing was in between two trips to Maryland. Now, for me, you know, to go to these towns, these communities, and these are two different communities that are inviting me up to talk to them about these kinds of ideas and how crowdsourcing and engagement, citizen engagement, applies to um, community revitalization and redevelopment. And it's they're wonderful communities. They have a lot going for them, and they're they have great uh, progressive people at the wheel that are trying to you know push the envelope. And 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 what they recognize above all else is that everything's changed in some way, in some hard to describe way. And and that that's it's all about in some way again hard to describe the millennial generation in some way because over the next 30 years that is our economy. You know, yeah. that is the future of where that generation takes this takes us as a community and so they all leave you know a lot of communities are experiencing well everybody keeps leaving and then maybe when they have kids they'll come back because it was a nice place to be and and but we're missing that gap I mean Rock Hill was and still kind of is the same way people from 22 to 28 are just missing right exactly true and then they come back when they have a kid and they want to raise them with with their family so So how do you keep, but now those people to 22, 28 actually perform a huge part of the economy. Where it used to, it's like, oh, you just go and do your thing. And when you're serious about having a real job, you know, you come back to this community. But now a lot of the innovation 
and uh, technology and, and a lot of the things that are driving our economy are happening at younger and younger ages, uh, high, late 20s, early 30s. These are a lot of the movers and shakers in the world of um, innovation. And so how do you get those folks to stay in these communities? And so to me, I tie together this experience in San Francisco of all these innovative ways where we're getting crowds all over the world to do interesting tasks, no matter if they're abstract or if they're meaningful or whatever, capitalizing on the crowdsourcing phenomenon. I'm helping, you know, hopefully helping communities to understand how to let their citizens participate in the way we were just describing in creating the community that they want to create. And they have, they have the ability to stay there and work and be part of a global economy. They have connectivity, you know. For example, in Garrett County where I was right before I went to San Francisco in Maryland, uh, Garrett County, Maryland, they have agribusiness. You know, you're talking about local farmers, local food to table, you know, uh, this really cool business there that makes cheeses of all kinds. You know, that type of craft, you know, craft beer. I mean, here yeah, we are at Millstone yeah, yeah. drinking craft beer. Yeah. But that whole craft culture uh-huh. here in Garrett County. I mean, you have tiny little uh, municipalities in that county, yet you have some really cool craft uh, yeah. food type of agribusinesses. You know, I think every community has something unique about them. That, that younger people could really dig, yeah. you know? There's no reason to go to the big city and then feel lost when you might, I mean, you might love it there, that's fine. Or you might go there for a little while, that's fine. But there's cool things in Garrett County, just like there are right. in D.C., exactly. you know? Yeah. yeah, and it's definitely, I mean, everything, I think that, I mean, everything's moving there um, no matter what. You know, I mean, it's going to. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely the cities that recognize that sooner and recognize how to do that and how to attract that. You know, they're going to sort of be the winners. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if the next, like the way that, you know, in the early part of the last century, there were a handful of cities that were considered like important, bigger cities that, you know, after like World War II were no longer talked about. Yeah. You know, and, and I wouldn't be shocked. And then, and then after World War II, there were cities that sort of became bigger and more important after that. And I wouldn't be shocked if the next, you know, century sees that happen again yeah. sort of a shift and obviously there are cities that aren't it's not like new york city is going to be like abandoned at some point what is this uh, new, york? new york city that's where they make they make some kind of salsa that isn't makes, good so speaking of towns that actually um did this change like you were talking about you know rock hill because of anderson motors and and some other things was way bigger than charlotte you know before the 40s you know back in the first half of the last century and then because of the airport and some other factors, Charlotte radically passed where Charlotte's kind of, you know, a big city now and Rock Hill's a small city. But so that happens. That definitely yeah. happens, you know. But but anyway, I, I guess basically to sum this podcast up, I, I think, you know, we as we talk about small towns and the futures of their economies and the revitalization of urban districts, you know, I think so much of it has to do with this idea of the crowd because the crowd is us, right. you know? And, you know, it's interesting, I, I talk to communities and, and they say, well, we're wanting to recruit businesses. And I, and it's funny to me, not in a negative way towards them, of course, because they've done an excellent job in a lot of different ways before I ever get there and things I could learn for years to come. But what, what in the new economy, I keep thinking, well, businesses, what, what is a business? A business is just people. Right. I mean, what else is a business but people? So really what we want is people you know so the crowd if you get people involved in revitalizing a district a community an urban space you know making a place better 
making it a better place for children, they're having parks, having increasing quality of life, then those are the people who are the businesses that create all the jobs, you know. So I think we have to get rid of this siloed notion of, you know, there's in one silo there's businesses and in the other silo there's the community. You know, it's I mean, it's the same thing, you know. Right, right, right. And I think that's basically the theme of this of our podcast. We keep coming back to so. So anyway, um, thanks for letting me share about my trips, and uh, past and upcoming. And um, I guess I'll give you an update on how uh, my next trip to Maryland goes. And uh, well, I guess we'll see you next week. Bye.